Welcome back to the FPL Blues podcast. Holy cow, it feels so good to say that, Brian. Returning to the podcast airwaves following an insanely exciting World Cup, but it's Premier League time. Time to lock in, strap up. Fantasy Premier League is coming in less than a week. It feels so good to be back. Let's fucking go, Bucks. We are behind the microphones after what? Feels like six weeks off from FPL. I'm excited to pod today and start talking about the teams to target for our game week 17 wildcard picks. Yeah, so Premier League comes back on Boxing Day. Brian and I, we are recording this podcast leading up to Christmas holiday. It's Tuesday, December 20th. So a lot of the Premier League teams are currently playing friendlies against one another, warm-ups against other top clubs, and they're fielding really strong lineups. So that's giving us some color into what might be the starting 11 come Boxing Day in six days' time. Let's just take a quick moment. We should congratulate, highlight the achievements of Argentina in Qatar. They lift the trophy behind an incredible effort from one Lionel Messi, the GOAT. And what a final that was. Oh, my God. There are no more debates, Bucks. He solidified himself in the history books. And what an epic final that was. I mean, to be honest, going into the knockout rounds, I didn't think Argentina looked up for it to make this deep run and to actually clinch the World Cup. But they came together at the right time. The team was galvanized and they definitely had a bend but not break type of mentality where they somehow won in two shootouts. So hats off to them. What did you do for the Matchbox? Tell, tell us about your experience watching this 3-3 thriller. Oh, super stressful. I was watching it at home. Uh, knowing that I had my daughter, who's three years old, her gymnastics class starting pretty much after the full-time whistle was going to go. But because the draw happened and the late thriller, we were 10 minutes late. Then we get to the gymnastics studio for extra time. And myself and about 20 other parents are also streaming it on their phones like psychopaths. And we're yelling, totally ignoring our kids doing gymnastics, tumbles or uh, spins or jumps. And we're all so gripped by the action. When Mbappe scored that second penalty kick, I actually shrieked uh, because I had some uh, some of my daughter's college investments on the line for him to win the golden boot. So there well was done, there was well a done. lot at stake. It was a it was a great energy and probably the best football game I've ever seen in my life. That that final had everything. It had uh, drama. Both sides showed up at different points in the match. And then for it to end on penalty kicks, a little bit of a letdown because I would have liked to see it, you know, finalized on the pitch. But uh, a great match regardless. Anyway, you spin it. Yeah, I think, Bucks, you might be open to some criticism for neglecting your child who is probably trying to throw out her neck into some kind of crazy tumble. But thankfully, she's okay, and you survived that just absolutely insane match. I mean, it, it had everything. But the first 60 minutes, 65 minutes, we were thinking this was just going to be a just a cruise to victory kind of moment for Argentina. And then Mbappe, he had some of the messy magic inside of him. I mean, he got a hat trick in the World Cup final, and we're not even really talking about it. That's how crazy this match was and what it means to Messi's career and the the whole of Argentina. So got to hand it to them. Well done. We loved having all the matches on. I think I'll look back fondly on this and just having 
footy on every single day for like two and a half weeks. That filled a huge void in my life with FPL out to pasture. So excited to be back. And wow, some of these players will be coming back. Quick turnarounds, lots of rotation. We have, what, three game weeks in 10 days. This is going to be a very interesting time. So it is very important to nail your squad, probably have a couple bench guys ready to come in because there will be rotation. It will be unpredictable. There's also kind of what we have some other matches, FA Cup related matches within the game weeks. It is going to be bonkers. So let's break it down, Bucks. Let's jump into it. Yeah. One last thing. If you're a football addict like Brian and I, this is the time of the year to really sink your teeth in. This is like Christmas coming twice because we get the World Cup, all those amazing matches. And the footy was really exceptional in the World Cup, uh, even though it's a winter tournament, kind of no off season for these players. And then we're jumping right back into it with the best club league in the world is coming back with basically no time off. So we're going to have even more massive amounts of holiday festive fixtures coming. And like you said, Brian, 30 game week, 30 matches are going to take place in the course of nine days. So like I said earlier in in the open strap in, because starting on boxing day, you're going to get your fill of leftovers. You're going to get your fill of drinks. And the family is then going to be kind of pushed to the side because it's footy time. Bucks, I know you love to strap it in, so... Let's take a quick break and then we will dive in headfirst into the double game week announcements. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. The Premier League knows how to tease, tempt, and get you excited about the matches to come because. Right in the midst of the World Cup goings-on, they announce and confirm some double game weeks, the first of the season that are going to be dropping starting in game week 19. That features Chelsea, who play home versus City, and at Fulham. Similarly, Fulham also have a double game week, slightly more appealing, I think, than Chelsea's, where they play at Leicester and then home versus Chelsea. There are some more Games, though, that just got confirmed. Game week 20, we'll see double game week for Man City. They play at Man United and at Spurs. And Spurs play a double game week home versus Arsenal. North London Derby in a double game week. And then they also host Man City. That is going to be a crazy two matches for Spurs. Finally, double game week 23 rounds out the confirmed double ups on fixtures that has Arsenal playing home versus Brentford and home versus Man City and Man City gets another double game week they play home versus Aston Villa and away at Arsenal so lots to dig into here because most notably Man City has four game weeks in the course of three match weeks so they're going to play two extra fixtures than most other teams. So that is a huge advantage and something us FPL managers should be doubling down on today to make sure that we are set up to have a full triple up on Man City going back into the Premier League season. Yeah, that's obviously a lot of information to digest, but check out websites like Fantasy Football Scout, the official Premier League website and others to understand how those double game weeks play. We will see, like we said before, a lot of rotation because of these fixtures coming fast and furious. So 
I think having a deep bench of two playing players is going to be key through this. And thankfully, we have unlimited free transfers to dive into before game week 17. So moving on from that, I think we also want to highlight some news coming out of the last six weeks, especially for some players who are unfortunately injured. And leading the line is Jesus. Wow. He suffered a knee injury. And it looks like he's going to be out for at least three months. So that is a huge blow to Arsenal. Bucks, how do you think this affects the squad and then their attack going forward? Yeah, it leaves a lot of questions. Jesus was a player that not only played heavily into creation and the attacking gusto for the Gunners, but he also was a work rate monster. He played some games. He was ending the game playing right wing back at times. So this guy really sweat. He bled. And he did whatever it took for Arsenal to end up where they are in the table, which is top of the table, very well deserved. And Niketia, who's a young player, has he has goals in him, but not to the same way that Jesus does. And I'm actually hoping that maybe Martinelli will be the chief beneficiary. Maybe he will play up top as the false nine for Arsenal uh, as we see the restart and the plans for how Arteta is going to keep Arsenal on top. Uh, start to materialize. So that's my expectation. And I do expect that they will splash the cash in the January transfer window. What do you think about that, Brian? Yeah, given they have a four-point lead on City, they still want to keep the pressure on. I think we'll also see a mix of Emil Smith-Rowe, who is coming back from injury. He's going to play some more minutes, probably on the left wing. So we could definitely see Martinelli featuring up top in a few of these matches where Nketiah gets rotated. But I think Nketiah, he's a very direct player, so he will be able to get a couple of poachers goals. He's able to press, obviously not at the same level as Jesus, but I think this actually probably affects the defense as well. Just knowing about the work rate from Jesus, his hold-up play, his link-up play, and all of that all of his attributes that he brings to the squad is going to trickle down. So it will be interesting. And Arsenal have a tough run. We'll get into it later, but uh, they're top of the table, but they have some tough matches. So I could see some lower scoring affairs coming up and it might actually push me away from a double up in their attack and maybe just going with one of their assets. So we'll keep an eye on Arsenal. Next up, break down the news at Anfield on Luis Diaz. Oh, this is such a brutal development. Uh, Luis Diaz was recovering and looked like he was set to make a return uh, on Boxing Day from this injury he suffered. Unfortunately, he gets a setback in training and now requires surgery. So he's Jeez. out. Out. He's out for I would say two to three months, but. Uh, optimistic. Let's say he can make a return before the end of the season in March 2023. What this means is with Luis Diaz out and with Jota still fighting back from injury, that it is clear pastures for Mo Salah, for Firmino, and for Darwin Nunez. It seems like That's those right. are going to be the preferred trio up top for Liverpool. And finally, they're starting to grind back into form. And although they don't have double game weeks confirmed as of yet, the fixtures really seem to be falling nicely for them to hit the ground running, come restart and get some bag, some returns uh, from that front three. So uh, Liverpool are a team that definitely should be in the minds of serious FPL managers. The other player we want to touch on is the legend of Richarlison. He had a spectacular set of goals in the group stages and was on his way to hopefully cementing himself as a Brazilian great 
number nine. Unfortunately, he has picked up a hamstring injury, so he will miss five to six weeks. With that being said, he was not a hugely popular asset in all in FPL. He was coming off the bench a lot, but I think this actually solidifies the minutes for both Sun and for Kulu, and they will be playing a lot of minutes coming up here, especially in very high-intensity games. Like you said before, they're playing Arsenal and Man City in their double game week, and so they will need 180-plus minutes out of Sun, Kane, and Kulu in those. So it's going to be interesting to see how that wear and tear grinds on those players in those really highly competitive top level matches. Yeah. Great shout on Richarlison. And we should just double click on Spurs because I think they are the team that is going to come back from this world cup, most impacted by injuries and the players that went really deep in the tournament. Hugo Lloris uh, looked really shook after losing the World Cup final on penalties, and he took a couple of knocks during the tournament, so I expect he will miss some time. Romero is also a Spurs player. He played a ton of minutes and a ton of very physical minutes from Argentina. I expect he will be off partying for a number of weeks before making a full (laughs) return to the squad and yeah don't then, don't get it twisted bucks you almost said days you are correct it's they're gonna be it's gonna be weeks yeah weeks. i saw the party photos <laughs> uh the entirety of argentina is on holiday this week celebrating the the world cup victory so when you say holiday that kind of signifies that they're might be resting and recovering. There will be none of that. It's going to be debaucherous. They should be drunk every single day for at least a week after winning the World Cup. So it's going to be, like you said, interesting to see how the Spurs team specifically gets back to full form. Yeah, I could see Romero returning to Spurs camp looking closer to a late era Maradona than a vintage FPL or Premier League player. <laughs> These guys going to be doing a lot of a lot of shots, a lot of drinking. Uh and maybe some other extracurriculars uh, with uh, with the partying that's going to be going on down there. It's it's actually a shame that the World Cup trophy isn't actually like a cup that they could drink out of and do shots out of. Because I think that's like, I love seeing that when like the Stanley Cup uh, gets won by some of those crazy bearded NHL players. And then they're just like everywhere on boats, like drinking massive amounts of liquor out of the cup itself. I would have loved to see some of the Argentines celebrating that way. Amen to that. Also, we should mention we touched on Loris and Romero, but we're also going to be probably without Perisic, Kovacic, Saliba, McAllister, and Julian Alvarez, at least to start the Premier League game week 17. I fully expect those guys will not be uh, fully fit or training with their teams as of yet, as well as Emmy Martinez. Uh, that guy is is on a shithousery fuck around and find out uh, streak <laughs> that of unmatched performance uh, this year. He talk about someone who had a great 2022. Oh yeah, that dude is a psychopath. Mind games at level one million, and he 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 has one of the hugest moments getting the early stop in the penalty shootout, giving the rest of his Argentinian team a lot of confidence. And he's uh, he's going to definitely miss one or two matches for Villa. So we'll talk about that when we get into teams and players to watch specifically. Uh, next up, just want to round out a few other notes around the Premier League and specifically to popular assets who are on four yellow cards. And those are Harry Kane, Alexander Mitrovic, and Saliba. 
they all have four yellow cards and basically the yellow card suspensions get reset after your team has played 19 total game weeks. So there are chances that we go for somebody like Mitrovic who does have the double game week in 19 and he could potentially pick up a yellow card before that or going into that weekend. And knowing our luck, Bucks, I think we were focused on James Madison. I forget who the other player was earlier this uh, season who also picked up his fifth yellow right before his cupcake fixture or something like that. But Tony, that would be... Tony did it. Same thing. We, oh, we yeah, got that's right. Stru- Tony. Yeah. Lightning struck twice in a bad way for the FPL Blues boys because uh, it can't it can't strike thrice. Right. Yeah. Don't don't tempt fate, Brian. Uh, it's going to be pretty uh, nervy watching because Mitrovic, like you said, four yellow cards and they have that double game week. So the second match against Chelsea will actually be Fulham's 19th game. So he needs to avoid yellow card for four matches without getting a ban. So uh, yeah, tread lightly regarding Kane, Mitrovic, Saliba and Fabian Schar. Uh I would not have more than one of those four players. All right, now we're going to take a quick break and then come back with the FPL fixtures to target for Game Week 17. We'll be right back. Oh yeah, we're back. Let's get into it. FPL fixtures to target for some hauls in Game Week 17 starting with the opening fixture, which is Spurs at Brentford. So Kulu has looked really good in some of the tune-ups leading into game week 17. He looks to be fully fit at 8 million, just about. He is somebody that could slot into your midfield if you cannot find the funds to stretch to Harry Kane. I think they have a pretty good fixture run for the first three before their double. So they play away at Brentford. Then they host Villa at home, and then then they play away at Crystal Palace before their double versus Arsenal and City. So having a Tottenham player in your side, I think, makes a lot of sense. And the two logical ones are either Harry Kane, who has been trickling along the points. He's the second highest point scorer in the entire FPL game. Or you go with somebody like Kulu, who has that vein of form that can strike at any moment. And they might need a couple more goals from him in this run. Yeah, one interesting thing about Spurs here, uh, it's away at Brentford, and Brentford have a tendency to turn up in these primetime home matches. So I actually don't really think this is such a cupcake fixture. We should know what's going on with Tony and if there's going to be a suspension around the time of kickoff, I would expect. So I think that actually this is going to be a much tighter match. And The most notable thing from an FPL perspective is I think Sun, who I know Brian is one of your favorite players. I think he's a complete cross off at this point in the season. He's priced at 11.6 million, which is the same exact number as Kane is. And Kane is having a fantastic season. Sun is not. So really your decision, if you want to back Spurs, it's do you have Kane or do you have Kulu? And I think that's the end of it. I would not have more than those two guys from Spurs at all. Yeah, I know you've been tempted by Perisic in the past or one of their wingbacks, but there's so much rotation between them. And Perisic played so many minutes for Croatia, both up top and in defense. It's surprising to see him play over 500 minutes in the World Cup. 
Whereas when you look at somebody like Conte managing his minutes, saying that, oh, he can't play more than two straight matches in a row and stuff like that. He was featured in every single match for Croatia as they took third at the World Cup. But he's a complete stay away and a troll, actually, this season for FPL, given how actual quality and class he is as a player. Uh, Totally agree with that. Let's go to the next match, Liverpool at Villa. And like we said, this game is even more lopsided towards the visitors for Liverpool because we expect Emmy Martinez will be absent from this match, meaning steel will be in goal and that he is no man of steel. He's a man (laughs) to uh, let the other team steal a number of goals in the back of the net. So I think fade Villa in game week 17, I would definitely be looking at attacking players from Liverpool, specifically Mo Salah. He didn't go to the world cup, so he is fully refreshed. He's already bagged a couple goals in friendlies that are warming up for the game week 17 return and also darwin nunez potential punt nine million he is a vacuum for big chances and he's a very selfish player which you like to see from your forwards uh i think you probably want to have at least one of those guys and it might be time to think about liverpool defenders coming back into fpl relevance specifically taa and rabo They are very expensive. However, their advanced stats are really flattering. They just have not really returned or materialized into actual FPL returns. So uh, I'm not bold enough to back either TA or Rabo as of yet because they don't have a double game week. But I could see that being a very popular uh, differential play at this point in the season. Yeah, I think you're going to want to stay with the attackers for now and keep an eye on somebody like Rabo, who is 5% owned and could be a big differential. Next up, the Chelsea Blues host Bournemouth, and they have a really nice run of fixtures. So they are very popular assets to chat about with your mates, to try and evaluate who's going to get the minutes across this Chelsea squad. But unfortunately, the form and Graham Potter's tinkering unnecessarily at times has thrown us all off who the best assets are. Keppa, definitely in my mind at 4.5 as a goalkeeper, since they do have that double game week. And they also play again, Bournemouth at home, NFO away, then the double home versus city and then away versus Fulham. So three potential clean sheets in the first four matches, which makes a 4.5 keeper who was previously informed before he got injured, a very appealing way into the Chelsea defense. I wish Reese James was healthy and ready to go. I don't know what color hair he has now, but I wish he was um, ready to go because I think he's the most key player on Chelsea. And when he doesn't play, we suck. (laughs) That is a brutal, but very honest way of putting it. And on that note, Reese James did suit up. He started and got 60 minutes today in a friendly against Brentford. Oh, fantastic. So he's on his way back, but on the other side, another cheap, defensive asset from Chelsea, Wesley Fafana. Unfortunately, he got injured again. So that guy is 4.3 million. Yeah, 4.3 million potential great enabler for uh, such a cheap price into the Chelsea defense, but he just can't stay healthy. That's his third injury in the last year and a half. So uh, that is looking like really bad transfer business from the Chelsea Blues. Let's keep it moving. Yeah, that's actually interesting to see if how long he's going to be out because I actually think that may make Chalaba at 
maybe the enabler to go for if you want to punt into the Chelsea defense. Again, 4.7. So somebody you could easily fit into your squad. And if he doesn't play, he's rotated out. So uh, somebody else to keep in mind there. But um, I think we'll go into a few of our other targets on Chelsea a little bit later. So next up, what match do we have, Bucks? Yeah, United are hosting Forest. This is another match where uh, the favorites are going to be even more favored because the brick wall that was Dean Henderson is forbidden from suiting up in net for Forest. And they already were one of the punching bags for opposition goals to be delivered. And without arguably their best player, who is their goalkeeper, uh, helping out to keep the ball out of the net, I am really fading Forest and backing United, I think there's optimism to say maybe it makes sense to have a United attack triple up of Martial, Bruno, and Rashford uh, if your team can fit them in. The reason I say that is because as of today, we just learned that Diego Delo is not fully fit. He has a hamstring problem. He's flagged on the official FPL app, and he's kept out of a training fixture that United have today. So uh, just the more you know, I think De Gea, Shaw, DeLow, and those three attackers, Bruno, Rashford, and Martial, all are going to come into play as potential FPL assets from game week 17 to game week 19, because United have just a tasty opening fixture run. Yeah, that's right. They're going to play some really good fixtures, NFO at home, Wolves away, Bournemouth at home to start their first three. So with their attackers like Martial, he's very injury prone for my liking. So I think I would go with Rashford at 6.7. Great price, looked in form, confident before the World Cup and then had a couple bangers at the World Cup. I think that's the player to target from the likes of Manchester United. I would note that although I was doing a lot of tinkers with DeLow in my side, the fact that they will not have Varane back there as their starting center back might mean they might have their beloved and ultimately hated Harry Maguire playing a lot more minutes next to Lindelof Martinez also just won the world cup. So he's going to be out for a couple weeks. So their defense could be very shaky, even with these easy fixtures. So I would just stick with an attacker and be on your way. Yeah, great point. The without Varon, without Delo, and without Martinez, there's your exactly. kind of that's your first three defenders all missing in action. So not ideal. Let's go to the last hall potential match, and that is Man City traveling to Ellen Road to face Leeds. City triple up, I think, from the jump is almost a must. And the real question is, do you do three attackers? Who do you the real question is, who do you go for? Because I think Holland is a must-own uh, up top. He has to be one of your three forwards. And then I'm of the belief that Cancelo is worth his hefty price tag at $7.4 million. Brian, I know we've had some conversation offline that maybe we can share with the listeners on whether you think he's locked in as number two. And then really the question is, do you go for Ederson, KDB, Foden as your third selection from city. And I think that's really where the differential is going to end up because I think for the most part, 
95% of engaged managers are going to have triple city and really just getting that alchemy right on who your third guy is or who your second and third guy is, is going to make a huge difference to whether you're seeing green arrows, gray dots, or red arrows when the season restarts. Yeah. City is a interesting paradox for us to try and solve. Like you said, having three of them for these upcoming double game weeks is a must whether you start with three in game week 17 is another story, but I could easily see them netting three or four goals versus an open lead side who has goals in, in them themselves. But um, yeah, you got to have Hollins and then it's between KDB and Sala for most drafts that I've seen and going with Cancelo or possibly Ederson based on the nailedness for these double game weeks. With that being said, again, their double game weeks are, versus Manchester United, who they ripped a new one earlier in the season, and then versus Tottenham. And then their other one is Aston Villa and Arsenal. So definitely playing some top-tier talent in these double game weeks, but when you expect City to be fully revved up and the well-oiled machine ready to go, Pep is going to want to play their best players in those matches, and I see all their attackers that are FPL relevant, really playing the bulk of the minutes, 150 minutes at least for each of them in those double game weeks. I'm in full agreement. I don't have anything really to add other than that. I think that Holland, KDB and Cancelo all are coming back with a chip on their shoulders because Cancelo was dropped for Delo in the Portugal side. I mean, that was a shocker. When I see the best players in the world, Cancelo is one of the first names I think of in defense. And the fact that he was just cast aside so quickly by the Portuguese national team, that was shocking. I expected he was going to log heavy minutes in this tournament. Holland doesn't even make the World Cup. So he's sitting at home just filming commercials, talking about how he misses Kevin De Bruyne and scoring goals for Man City. And KDB gets bounced out with Belgium. He was kind of playing a solo act there with little to no help from his national team teammates. So I think they're all going to come back super motivated with a lot to prove. And yeah, I think City are the best team in the Premier League. And we're going to see that come to fruition in the second half of the season. There was actually some slander about KDB's performance. So that chip could definitely be on his shoulder. I didn't think he played very well, which was surprising. It's it's always surprising not to see KDB at his very best. And with this Belgium team obviously out of their window and aging in a big way, we saw Eden Hazard play some minutes and then he ended up retiring from international play after they got bounced. So I think he's ready to go. He I think he had one goal, one assist in the friendly as soon as he came back to play with Holland, so we expect a lot more of that. So the big decision will be whether you start with KDB or go with Salah instead. Yeah, and let's just quickly touch on some pure watches in game week 17. Arsenal hosting West Ham. I think this is a very, very compelling match because West Ham did not have a lot of players at the World Cup. They've been training together, and Arsenal are going to be bringing back a lot of pieces. Plus, we'll learn a lot about how they're going to address the absence and the Gabriel Jesus size hole up top in their side. This is a team that has not done much of any rotation this season. So the fact that they're now losing Gabriel Jesus and potentially fitting Smith Rowe back into the squad, I think there's going to be a lot of questions to be answered by Arteta. Finally, Leicester hosting Newcastle. Newcastle were the hottest thing 
since the one chip challenge before the World Cup break. <laughs> and and I, I've done I've done that challenge and it is effing hot. Yeah, sympathies to Brian's digestive system. And Lester were also starting to round into good form. Uh, Danny Ward looked like he turned into a real goalkeeper in the back half of the first half of the season. And so I just think these two teams need to start on a good note for the kind of second half push. Newcastle are in third. Leicester are trying to climb into the top half of the table. So there will be a lot to be determined in this match. And I think the fact that Newcastle are home, that is a big advantage for them. So I expect Arsenal and Newcastle will both get those results, but they should be tight games. Yeah, we love when the London-based teams play each other. So there's always an added layer to the fans and their fandom in the stadium. And then thinking about Leicester, They had five out of six matches of clean sheets before the break. And so we're really going to find out if they're solidified in defense and that will continue, or if that was just their hottest streak of the season and playing Newcastle, it's always going to be a challenge, especially with the form that their attacking players are in like Miggy, like a Callum Wilson who did go to the world cup, but played very few minutes. So he should be fully fit and ready to go for a Newcastle side. All right, that closes our conversation about the matchups to target and focus on in Game Week 17. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will discuss the best fixture runs for the Premier League sides to target, as well as the players that have made our watch list. All right, let's jump into the best fixture runs from Game Week 17 to Game Week 23 which is currently the last game week where we have a double game week announced. And we've spent a lot of time in this podcast talking about the big four to six teams, and rightfully so. A lot of their assets are priced to buy. So looking at City, again, we expect a triple up. The only other player I thought we could discuss briefly is Kyle Walker, who is $4.8 million and could be a way cheaper way into their defense, given that Cancelo while he does have double digits hauls in him, has not been in great form and has not been delivering on his 7.4 million pound price tag. They're also rotating a lot of their center backs, which I think has affected their defense just in terms of that continuity. And we're seeing them concede a lot of late minute kind of last 15 minute of the game goals where they're already up three to one and have taken their pedal off the gas. So what are your thoughts on Kyle Walker potentially being a shout in defense? My take is that Cancelo is the most nailed of any outfield player in the city system. He's played over 1,100 minutes, whereas the next highest defender is Diaz with 800 and change. So it's not even close. The guy's played basically four and a half more full matches than any other uh, player in city's defense. So for me, he's among the first names in my team sheet. I think skipping Cancelo is a big risk because of his effective ownership and his explosive potential. So I really like Kyle Walker, and I think he is a good shout. If, in fact, Diego Delo is out injured, Kyle Walker could be an easy slot into that same price bracket, 4.7, 4.8 million. And the issue with Kyle Walker is that he's not very attacking. So there's not huge amounts of upside, but... He is a player who is fit now, and he is probably locked in to play on the left side of that city defense. So it's really a bank on clean sheets. So six points is nothing to sneeze at when it comes to the FPL game. 
looking at Cancelo's last five game weeks, he has 11 total points. They have given up goals in four out of five matches. Usually it's one goal, but they've just looked a little shaky. And I think when we look at Cancelo's potential to fade him versus the rest of the game, this could be a potential bet to maybe triple up on attack or just go a different route. So again, if you're sitting in the top 250K, you want to own him for sure. Myself sitting outside, you know, top 500K, I'm looking at ways that I can differentiate my team versus the rest of the field and fading Cancelo might be one of those. And my last note there is just having watched City play a lot more, Cancelo is a bit less attacking because the rest of the team is set up to only feed Holland. And we're not seeing him take as many shots from kind of right at the top of the box like he used to. He's pushed out a little bit wider. He does cross the ball in from time to time towards the the beast that Holland is, but we're just not seeing him being as far advanced as last season it is kind of my general takeaway from the first half of the season. Listen, it's a great shout, but I think that we should remind the listeners that those numbers are slightly skewed by the fact that Cancella had that red card uh, and had to leave one of those matches with a minus two. So uh, I think there are a lot of points to come. Cancelo, with all of the fact that he might be slightly off this season, is still one of the top five defenders on total points thus far. So yep. he, you know, he's having a bit of a wobble, but uh, he's still one of the best players in the Premier League. All right, let's move forward to talk about Chelsea, who is second on the fixture ticker from Fantasy Football Scout from game week 17 to game week 23. They have a double game week in there as well. We really want Keppa to be our starting keeper. I think he would be the consensus starter across the community if he is indeed healthy to start game week 17. So the Keppa and Ward combo, even if Keppa is going to miss game week 17, I think it's still the the best combo to go for in keeper and you're only spending 8.5 8.6 million what are your thoughts on starting with keppa and then about the rest of the defense in general yeah completely agree i think keppa and ward just offer so much more than ward and iverson for only 0.5 million more keppa is the number one keeper when fully fit so the question is will he be fully fit and i think he's probably the only player that's immune from Graham Potter's fuckery uh, with the lineup and <laughs> subbing guys in, subbing guys out, unpredictability. So we saw that when he was fit, he was locked into that number one role. And he was Mendy, making, he was making tremendous saves and he, he can, he can actually pass out of the back with his feet. Whereas Mendy is not as confident. So Kepa seems to be the player of choice in Graham Potter's system. Yeah, and he had a couple double-digit returns before leaving with injury. So I think he's the perfect cheap option that also offers, uh, you know, market upside because we have seen him get not only a clean sheet, but when he gets a clean sheet, he's probably making three to six saves just the way that Chelsea system goes. So he's in line for bonus as well as save points. So he's he's a name for sure in my team. I think going Ward and Iverson might be just getting a little too penny wise and pound foolish because Iverson, if he didn't usurp Ward when the guy was allowing like 30 goals in five matches, the guy's never going to play. So you're, you're picking a dead player for 0.5 million savings over uh, potentially a number one on a top six defense. So I think Keppa is a lock for one of your Chelsea spots. And then the real controversy is around, do you pick 
another risky player like Reese James? And even more so, do you go for a triple up with another uh, punt of a pick like Mason Mount? Because Mason Mount started at 8 million and he had 20 returns last season, but we're 15 games into the season and he has five total returns. So he is way off his pace and his expectation. But at 7.5 million, it could be a great differential and potential even for a captaincy shout in that double game week in game week 19. Yeah, I think the really tough part for FPL managers is to decide if they think Chelsea, from an attacking point of view, is going to turn it around. They're actually the 14th out of 20 ranked teams in the Premier League in terms of XG. That is despicable. That is pathetic, given how much money is put into this squad and how many big name signings they made in the offseason. So Chelsea... They can be flat track bullies. They could get a couple three nil wins coming up here against these easy fixtures. And Mason Mount last year destroyed teams and these kind of teams that are just coming into Premier League. He had a couple 20 point hauls last season. So he does have that in him. I thought in the minutes that he played for the likes of England were pretty productive, uh, limited types of game time from him but he looked pretty spry so he could be a good differential and especially with these double game weeks he could be the one to go for 7.5 million gives you a lot of flexibility you could either downgrade him to somebody like Zaha or Rashford or even Miggy Almiron if it doesn't work out as well so I like that and then he's only half a million 0.8 million away from grabbing somebody like Foden or Kulu And so it's just good to have a couple of these 7.5 million pound slots in your team that you can pivot from as well. Yeah. So we'll talk about this team in a couple of minutes, but I really like the idea of starting with Rashford with some money in the bank, having Rashford for game week 17, 18, swapping to Mason Mount for game week 19, and then going to Foden for game week 20. That way you're getting the total of six fixtures in the span of four game weeks. So that way you're capitalizing on two double game weeks, as well as the kind of fixture run for Man United. Uh, I think without further ado, that takes us to the next team in the fixture ticker. That is Fulham. Fulham also benefit from a double game week and some cupcake opening fixtures. They play away to Palace, home to Southampton, away to Leicester, and then to Chelsea, they host. Uh, So that is a pretty good run. And again, they have that extra fixture Mitrovic, Andreas, I think both those guys become relevant. And I've even seen on Twitter uh, some crazy managers going with Burnt Leno in goal. Uh, Whoa. Big differential. I don't really see that, but uh, I think Keppa is just a much better bet. But I think Fulham, you should have at least one of their players. And I think Andreas is the easiest to fit in at 4.6 million. He can be an enabler in midfield and your fifth midfield option that you shouldn't feel any kind of way about playing uh, in the odd game week. So I would prioritize Mitro still being in your game week 17 squad based on these fixtures and the fact that he's probably the best captain shout for game week 19, given that we have no idea what kind of attacking form Chelsea is going to be in. So if he picks up his yellow, yes, you will have to pivot, but he's great value. He's still sub 7 million. So I think starting with him is wise And then if he picks up the yellow card, then you can pivot, maybe go Martial if he looks fit or go elsewhere. Um, I think the main thing that I'm having trouble with right now, Bucks, is when I look at 
wanting to play a three, five, two and kind of spreading out my funds and getting five attacking midfielders, I have to cut somebody like Hogelbaum out of my squad. And it's hard to do because he's the number one first bench slot type of player that we've seen in like the last five years of FPL because of his price tag and because he's playing such an attacking advanced role for Fulham. So switching to a three, five, two, eliminates him from my side and I don't feel great about it honestly because of the value that he serves in that first bench slot so um, that's just something I'm kind of debating is uh, whether to start with him and uh, go elsewhere I think the big decision is really Almiron or Andreas Pereira for that fifth midfield spot and I think based on the fixtures and what you're hearing here that Fulham have the third best fixtures to open up the Premier League restart I think I would much rather swerve Almiron and keep Pereira uh, for at least those opening couple of game weeks. Um, It's a way to, (laughs) you know, Almiron was very hot, but you can't really carry form over seven weeks of break. So I think everything is kind of reset. He was the top scoring midfielder. If he rises to be 6 million, you'll still have routes to get him back in your team. So it's not such a bold uh, pick against, but I do think that the double up of having Mitrovic and Andreas uh, would tempt me to have both of them in my side from game week 17. Yeah, the tough part of fading Miggy is that they play away at Leicester, then they host Leeds, play Arsenal, then Fulham and Crystal Palace. So they have a great fixture run, and then actually West Ham at home and Bournemouth after that. So having a player from Newcastle, which is definitively a top four attack in the league way better than Chelsea way better than Fulham and at his price tag it makes him very appealing to have in your side so uh, it's definitely something and food for thought to uh, consider when we're deciding our game week 17 squads yeah so Brian you just skipped ahead a little bit Newcastle is placed as the eighth best fixture run to start the season going next up Southampton is fourth Arsenal is fifth Spurs is sixth and Liverpool is seventh. So I think what we really want to convey by sharing the strength of schedules from the restart is just that you can really have a magnifying glass in selecting your team. I don't know if I would go more than one punt from any team outside that top eight. I would really want to be pretty consistent and pretty tight around having at least a double up on City, probably a double up from Chelsea, a double up on Fulham, double up on Arsenal, double up on Liverpool, double up on United, double up on Newcastle. There you go. There's your 15 man roster. <laughs> easy peasy. Lemon it's that squeezy. easy. You'll be, you'll be world number one in no time. If you listen to Bucks's advice, but no, it is very sound. Like we said at the beginning of the season, the players are priced to buy. We're very fortunate where we can get top attacking assets from Arsenal, from Manchester United, from these really powerhouse teams at very affordable costs. So then it's really, again, depends where you are in the standings, but if you want to make up ground punting on players, I think, especially in the midfield bucks, I think there are players when we move to our watch list, like, let's just talk about the midfield. I think there are players like Odegaard who is lower owned, but could be a very explosive asset to own for Arsenal. Rodrigo at Leeds. He scored in the last three or four games in a row, actually, since coming back from injury. Trossard. These are the types of players that will help in the peripherals of your team, but help you gain rank and are not part of the traditional team setups at the moment in the meta of FPL. 
Yeah. So just jumping ahead to the watch list, uh, the way that I broke down my selection is I actually went through each position and I just listed the guys that I would be happy having in my team. We won't go through all of them, but to your point, Brian, for the five midfield spots, I had 17 players. So Ooh. there are, there are a lot of options. I mean, Madison at 8.2 million didn't play a lot in the world cup. Finally fit. The issue is Leicester have tough fixtures and that's a very desirable and price conscious, uh, spot that he's holding because you could have Foden for 8.3 million so 0.1 million more you could have Saka and Kulu for 0.2 million less so there's a lot of ways to set up your midfield and we didn't really even talk about Salah versus KDB how you want to structure your team maybe with a freemium approach of having a team with Salah maybe even with KDB or having just Holland and one of the others whether it's Salah KDB or Harry Kane. So there are a lot of ways to skin the cat here. Uh, Kurt Zuma reference. And there's just oh, I th- brutal. <laughs> I think that the template is going to be a little murky uh, coming back to game week 17, because we were actually talking with FPL theorist on Twitter about this. Brian is backing big at the back to maybe make a return. And I really like your thoughts on that, Brian, because I think we've really trended to see triple forwards uh from i think it was like game week eight to game week 15 that became very in vogue and i think we might see that players like greenwood from leeds at 4.2 million come back into play as a dead striker option so that you can enable a really hefty midfield and you know four three to four premium defenders to jump in for a kind of short spurt of matches before we use another wild card chip uh in the back half of the season yeah, it's interesting. We started the season going big at the back in our squads because that really delivered from a wingback perspective last season. And this season, it has not panned out at all. Part of that is because the promoted sides have been very quality in scoring one or two goals. When you look at somebody like Fulham, they've been super impressive. Even um, you know, even these other teams that have been promoted are, are getting goals out of nowhere. So when I look at the fixture congestion, though, when these lower side, bottom bottom half of the table teams rotate, their attack falls off a cliff. Like, you know, City, Liverpool, these are teams that can bring quality players off the bench and still get a result in their third game in 10 days. But when you look at some of these other teams, they just don't have the squad depth. And therefore, I think the attack is going to really wane. So going big at the back or even just considering somebody like Rabo, who's 5% owned, He could really deliver a lot of points in this span and be a differential in your team. Whereas if you look at paying somebody like Darwin or Sala, they're super expensive. So uh, I think there's obviously so many different ways you can play it, but Rabo is somebody who I would rate higher than TA at this moment in time for FPL and is somebody that could really come into the fold because I think he connects really well on the left going down streaking down the left flank and crossing balls into Darwin who eats up those big chances and can put them away. That's a great and very bold call going Robbo over TA. I respect it. Brian, before we get into the closing segment of this episode, just rank for the listeners, your point of view on Salah, KDB and Harry Kane. If you can only have one of those three guys, who would be your second premium option? At this point in time, I'm looking to start with Salah 
and then downgrade him by 0.1. They might be the same price later, but move him to KDB for double game week 20, I believe it is. So that's my plan. And then Harry Kane is not on the menu for me. I just want to see how Spurs look coming back from break. They were really struggling before before the World Cup break. And I just want to see how they, they look back in action. Sun played a number of heavy minutes for South Korea as they got into the knockout stages and it was a great moment for their country, but he's not in form. Kula looks good, but Kane, he had a very up and down performance, obviously missing that PK versus France. So I just want to see it from them first uh, before I move there. So with somebody like Sala being fully rested, I'm really curious actually on Thursday bucks, we're going to see Manchester city versus Liverpool. And I think Klopp and Pep are going to field pretty full teams here. And it'll give you a good litmus test for who is actually ready to fucking go in game week 17. And that could also inform my thoughts. But at this point I would rank Sala number one, KDB number two and Kane number three. Huh? Do you agree? It's interesting. I didn't think we would have the same order, but we do. Uh, I'm also of the mind that I am going to have both Salah and Darwin in my game week 17 squad with an eye. Yeah. I'm, I had Darwin going into the break, so he's not going anywhere. And I have an eye like you of downgrading Salah at some point to KDB, which rules out some of those more differential players from city as a potential filler for that third slot so yeah so you're you're thinking of going just Cancelo and Holland to start and then you'll bring in KDB for the double that's right now that is the master plan let's see if it all works out according to order of operations with that let's go into the closing segment of every FPL Blues podcast episode let's talk about our captaincy plans for game week 17 it's right about that time ladies and gentlemen Get tinkering, set up those drafts, save them so you look like a psychopath when scrolling through your photos and people (laughs) see that you have 60 or infinity number of lineup. Oh, bucks, bucks. I actually have a funny antidote. So I got the new iPhone 14 Pro and it's got like the always on screen and you can basically select like your featured photos as being your, your kind of lock screen always on. And then when I selected that, I think I had 14 or 15 of my first like 25 pictures were all just screen shots from the app of different tinkers. I was like, ah, this is uh, this kind of pathetic to uh, to showcase to the world during the holidays that this is the most important thing in my phone. But it's the truth. So uh, I just wanted to share that. Hey, family first, FPL second, baby. That is a healthy way of enjoying and loving footy. And both of us have that order of operations correct uh, alongside pictures of my daughter. Definitely the next most prescient thing is my FPL tinkers. So uh, (laughs) we both have serious problems. Let's just leave it at that. All right. So captaincy. Um, Actually, I just want to ramble here for a second, Bucks. You know, before we go into captaincy, are there any specific calls that you're really looking to make for your game week 17 squad? Or is there anything keeping you up at night right now that we can just have some, um, you know, therapy session about and chat with live before we go into the final section here? Yeah, actually great question. I am thinking of swerving Arsenal potentially altogether. Uh, Martinelli I've had since the start of the season and he's now at 6.8 million. So I would sell him for 6.4 million. 
I had Saka and Ramsdale as well going into the World Cup break. And right now, my tinker has just Martinelli being the lone survivor uh, from that trio. And there's a lot of there's a lot of reason to maybe go for Gabrielle or go for Ben White, trusting maybe a odd defender who's had a great start to the season. But I just think the schedule gets so much more unforgiving and with these issues and the squad depth now coming more into play I'm very concerned that Arsenal might have a bit of a wobble in the restart so Martinelli right now is still in my side but he could easily uh, be on the way out uh, based on some reports from now until Boxing Day yeah interesting to say interesting to see you say that Martinelli is the only survivor. Whereas in my squad, I'm giving him the ax. I am going to be moving him to either Saka or Odegaard as a way to hopefully, again, buck the template and keep it moving. I think right now, when we look at the stats, Odegaard is, has a much lower ownership and I can get him for 6.4 million, which is the same exact selling price for Martinelli. So it's a decent way to bring in Odegaard and looking at, again, I love players who can get those explosive hauls where you've seen Odegaard come in with a couple braces, whereas we're only seeing Martinelli kind of chip in a goal here, assist there. So the double digits haul potential is actually, um, I think it's four double digit hauls for Odegaard and only two for Martinelli. So that seems like a small differential for me. So I'm definitely have that locked in right now to my squad. Um, the other question I had for you, just looking at what you would do with that third forward slot. I know you have Darwin in there, probably next to Holland and maybe Mitchell or Kane, but um, you know, what are your thoughts on Callum Wilson for this start instead of going with Darwin? He's on pens, top four XG in the whole league. What are your thoughts on, on the Callum, the truth Wilson being that third striker instead of somebody like Darwin? Great shout. Uh, I currently have, Going into the break, my lineup was Holland, Darwin, and Wilson. Wilson, just a little too expensive if I want to fit Salah in. So uh, the easy move is to go with Mitrovic. He has the double game week, 6.8 million, 0.6 million cheaper than Wilson. And he also has penalty kicks in his locker. I do see value maybe in swerving the forward spot altogether and going for Holland, Mitro, and Niketia. And that way you can have three playing guys, but only one premium that could allow you to bring in a player like Bruno Fernandez into the midfield, giving you another penalty kick taker. Uh, That's from a big show United. So I have tinkered with that. I think right now I just love the play style of having that full flexibility. Uh, if you've been a long time listener, you know that I have a problem with having at least 14, if not 15 playing guys as part of my FPL strategy, I love having that flexibility. And I think I'm going to fall into that trap once again in game week 17. So uh, right now, my 15th guy is Patterson from Everton. And there are drafts that I have where Ben White is my 15th guy. So you really can get pretty spunky. And I think because of rotation, you're going to want to have at least two playing bench guys uh, starting in game week 17. So having the option of Patterson or Bueno to vacuum up some desperation minutes as opposed to someone like Greenwood from Leeds at 4.2 million. Uh, 
that just that gets me more excited. I think there's more points there uh, from that perspective. I'm going to be very depressed in a given game week if my third bench player is coming into the fold. So uh, always good to have that sub 4.5 million pound player in your third slot as bench fodder and maximize your first 13 slots or 14 slots in your squad. So, uh, all right, Bucks, let's get out of here. We've been on it long enough. Captain C, who are you going with? So I am split right now. I have it on Holland. I've had it on Holland for six and a half weeks. But if I'm bringing Salah into my team and they're going against a backup goalie at Villa, uh, I think Salah could outscore Holland in this game week. So uh, right now it is on Holland. I have the vice captaincy on Salah, but I could get a little wacky. I have had a wobble in the back half of the first half of the season. So I need to uh, be a little bold and get back on track with a green arrow in game week 17. So uh, I'm split. It's Holland or Salah. No one else is really featuring in my thoughts. Yeah, I'm on Holland 100%. I think the Leeds game will be open enough. I could see Leeds scoring, but there's no way that City, especially after a loss to Brentford way back when, doesn't come out just completely focused. I think this is a 3-1, 4-1 type of game. And therefore, Holland is my captain. The one thing with Unai Emery at Villa is he's supposed to be known for his defensive tactics, even with a backup goalie in there. I think he'll throw the kitchen sink at Liverpool. Um, so I think, uh, you know, Salah obviously a, a decent shout, but I don't think this is the week. Whenever I'm looking at differential captains versus Holland, I really want to catch Salah at home at Anfield because the crowd urges him to shoot. He stays on to like the 85th minute, even in blowouts and tries to get a goal. Um, so that that's where I prefer to go for that differential captaincy, but best of luck if you go with it, Bucks. Yeah, let's get out of here. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. So good to be back looking ahead to the Premier League return. FPL is coming back into our lives. And happy holidays to everyone. If you're an Argentina fan, stay safe out there. If you're a French fan, stay safe out there. But more importantly, make sure to tune in to your favorite FPL podcast, Brian and I <laughs> from right. the FPL Blues Podcast. We love you. We appreciate you. And just wishing you a safe, relaxing, and most enjoyable holidays. Enjoy your time with family and friends and the other F in your life that matters the most, which is football. We'll see you soon.